Hi everybody, Mark here. We're glad you came to church. And uh, take your Bibles and turn to the book of James. A while ago I was uh, trying to help a couple friends of mine forgive each other and uh, create at least a ceasefire between the two of them because they were grumpy and fighting together. And I tell you, I, more than once I thought to myself, there's an immaturity level here that's a problem. I, uh, I thought of a church in ancient, uh, called ancient Corinth that Paul was writing to. And in that he says, I wish I could feed you, this is a tra translation, steak, but because you're such babies, I got to feed you pablum. And again, it's about being immature. Immaturity reveals itself in all kinds of ways and for all kinds of reasons. And some people, because they're so immature, just can't help themselves from doing something. I'll give you an example. Here's an, uh, uh, he says he's, it's just no use. He's got to do it. And if you've ever been in a library, uh, you wanted to make some noise, it, I, get, I, I understand the guy. God wants us as Christians, together as the church, to grow up. And as we start this, 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 this whole uh, series, it's really about maturity and understanding what it is to live victoriously like Jesus wants us to. And you can't do that and be immature in your life. And an amazing book for that is the book of James. If you'll turn there and please stand and what we're in, uh, because of what we're doing, we're standing, we're declaring that God's word is the most important thing we're going to hear today. James chapter 1, starting in verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Lord, we pray that you would help us understand this and apply this text to our life. Thank you for the book of James. So interesting, we are reading the very book of the brother of Jesus. Give us insight, we pray in your name. Amen. Please be seated. So maturity is a thing that is key to victorious, to victorious living. And this series that we're starting this weekend is about maturity. And we're going to study the book of James. I still hear my mom's voice rattling around my, in my head when she would say to me as a teenager, Oh, just grow up. And I think there's sometimes we need to say that to each other. The point is, immaturity at times is destroying the way we live our lives. Hebrews 6.1 says, go on in maturity. Don't stop maturing, go on. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 talks about spiritual babies and, he, and Paul saying you need to go on into maturity. One of the many purposes of our church is to help people grow up. Emotionally, spiritually, mentally, socially. And so... Rather than jumping right in and talk about what maturity is as it re is revealed in the book of James, let's talk a little bit about what maturity isn't. Number one, it isn't age. There's lots of people who are old, but they're not mature. And maturity does not simply come from by being old. I saw a sign a while back, I might be getting old, but I refuse to grow up. There's a negative side to that. Age does give us perspective, yes, but it doesn't give us maturity. Here's another picture for you again. Maturity is feeling, is that feeling that comes over you when you look back over your life and realize that you were wrong on just about everything. Interesting. The first thing, it's not about age. The second thing, it's not about appearance. You may appear older, but that's just it. You're old. Doesn't mean you're mature. 
It also doesn't, isn't about achievement. Some people own their own companies or win uh, the athletic prowess and do all kinds of things, but that doesn't make them mature either. See, mature is about our character and our attitude, but it's not about academics. Some of you have had teachers, professors and teachers that have gone on rants and all kinds of, of immature things that they do as well. It isn't those things. Maturity is about our attitude and our character, and we need the attitude and character of Jesus as Christ followers. So let's study the book of James. In it are five elements of maturity. The Greek word used there is telos. Telios, I should say. It's, five, it's used five times, once in every chapter. And I think it reveals five characteristics of maturity to us that I think we can, uh, we can apply to our lives today. So this is kind of an overview uh, message today on the book of James, and we're going to tie right into it next weekend. First, an immature, uh, a mature person is positive under pressure. James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of all kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. You hang in there, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. The first test of maturity, I'd like to give you the characteristic and then the test. The test of maturity is, how do I handle things when problems come or trials come or I get under pressure? Christ followers would, should be doing what Jesus did when he was under pressure or facing a problem. He didn't rant and yell and pout and scream. What is our natural bent when things go, don't go right? People need to understand this. Some of us are more negative than positive just in our personalities. But then you ask or put pressure to that, and it's revealing whether we're mature or not. Remember in a um, counseling situation a long time ago, I asked, I asked a couple that were grumpy with each other, uh, do you wake up grumpy in the morning? And one woman said, no, I usually let them sleep. Folks, are you mature? Are you supportive? Are you skeptical? Are you great, grateful and, or grumbling? Are you full of affirmation for another person? Or are you just living in anger? It reveals, that whole aspect reveals how mature we really are. The second characteristic of maturity is about being sensitive to others. In, Acts, or sorry, in James chapter 2, verse 8, if you really keep the royal law, the law of Jesus, he's saying, found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing it right. In other words, you talk, we not just talk about love, but love to James is about an action. It's, it's not about our own needs all the time, because immature people are always looking at their own needs. It's at the needs of others, and we're moved by compassion to do something on, on the, with these people, or to help them. Most kids see their own needs, and that's it. Never once, when my kids were small, did they say, Oh, Dad, you look hungry. Let me just, you sit down, please sit down. We'll serve you supper first. You kidding me? When kids, they want things when they want things, and that is really, quote, quote, fast, and they want it now. In chapter 2 of James, he talks in verses 1 to 3 about not showing favoritism. He talks in verse 4 about not, uh, not judging people by their appearance. And in verse 6, he, not to insult people or exploit people legally. The test of maturity here is do I treat other people with love? And the word love is an action word in this case. 1 Corinthians 13. It's a great speech. Or I'm sorry. It's, it's a great text. 
If I speak with the tongues of men, of angels, but have not love, I'm a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. I, you know, I, I've often wondered, you know, I wish I could learn other languages well. I'm just locked in. Folks, if you speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but don't have love, it's not worth it. If you have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith to move mountains, who wouldn't want this? But have not love, I am nothing. If I give all my possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. It's basically saying it is in, in we love with action. Without love, we miss the whole point. I was thinking how simple a hockey game is. Hockey games are real simple because all the game is about is I'm trying to put a black puck in your net and you're trying to put it in my net. It doesn't matter what the uniforms look like. It doesn't matter if we're uh, uh, bench pressing a thousand pounds apiece. It doesn't matter if we can do triple axles or sow cows, whatever those are. It matters if you put the puck in the net. And spiritually, it matters whether we love each other. And if we're not loving each other, the whole shebang is a farce. God wants us to love. All of us do trivial things. But if you miss the love factor, we're missing the whole thing of what Jesus calls us to. So first, positive under pressure. Secondly, sensitive to love, and love is an action word. Thirdly, a mature person has, will, have, has, will control their mouth. James chapter 3, verse 2. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he's perfect, able to keep his whole body in check. Maturity means we'll control our tongues. And immaturity, we just fly off the handle, we say often evil things to each other. I was at the doctor's office a little while ago, and uh, it was interesting what he asked me to do. Please stick out your tongue. Why? Well, I can tell a lot by what's going on by your tongue. God says, I can tell a lot what's going on in your spirit, and if you're mature or not, by how you use your language, your tongues. Over and over in Proverbs, it talks about how the tongue will either help people or literally kill people. It is a powerful tool for God and or Satan. And we choose by using it correctly or incorrectly. Proverbs chapter 2 verse 18 says, There is one whose rash words are like the thrust of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. I got a new definition this week. It was, sent, it was given to me about what gossip is all about. Gossip, they said, was hearing something you like about someone that you don't like. And often passing that on. Maturity and self-control is readily revealed by tongue control. And, and uh, James talk, gives us three illustrations in chapter 3 about the tongue. It, 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 it controls by putting a, a bit in a horse's mouth. It's giving direction as a rudder in an in in ocean-going ship. And it's destructive like a spark in the forest fires that we are experiencing now all around us. We realize again the power of the tongue is, is not to hurt people, but to help people. And some people boast in their frankness. They say, you know, that's just the way it is. Well, don't say it the way it is. Maybe say it the way it could be. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for bringing others up according to their needs May it may benefit those who listen. We say things with a grain of salt on our tongues because we don't want to 
hurt others. James chapter 1, verse 26 says, If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Many people talk about religions. I'm religious. I go to church or I uh, don't cheat on my income tax or I don't listen to country music, whatever it is. If we all do the, what is religious stuff and stay away from the, the bad stuff, nothing if you can't, it, it means nothing if you and I can't control our tongues. Simple as that. And the test, the third test on that is do I help or hurt people with my words? Again, people say, well, I'm just saying the way it is. Maybe you should just be quiet then. Speak the truth in love. Grace with truth. This only comes from having the character of Jesus and the attitude of Jesus. The fourth characteristic or maturity is found in James chapter 4. 4 verse 1, please. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desire that battle within you? There's often like many of us have a battle that's going on in our life. We have feelings that often we get hurt by what other people say or do to us. We get defensive or offensive, defensive of ourselves or offensive towards others. Sometimes pride um, takes over in our life. I, and I, we used to have an, a different church and a long time ago, you know, a time ago, and he'd always say, oh, I just want to be the devil's advocate. Why? Why would we want to be a devil's advocate? He doesn't need advocates. But folks, many times we use our words wrongly. We argue. We get self-centered. Could it just be the conflict in our many of our marriages or conflict at the workplace or conflict with a former friend is because we're immature and self-centered? There's two reasons for conflict. Chapter 4 says in verses 2 and 3, if you want something but you don't get it, you kill and covet. You cannot have what you, what you want. You quarrel and fight, and you do not have because you don't ask God. And when you ask God, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. You want to spend it on your own pleasures. Self-centeredness. Our prayer reveal our motives. Our prayers often feel reveal whether they're totally committed to, to we pray all the time for our own good, or do we pray for another person's good? See, when we pray for others, it reveals a maturity. When we just want our, or pray for ourselves and our day and our needs and everything else, it's immature. Judgmentalism in, in verses 11 and 12 is talked about. I'm going to just not even pause on that because we're going to have one or two messages in a few weeks on judgmentalism. Let me leave it. But the fourth test is this. Do I cause peace or stress? and the people that are around me. We need to be a people of peace. And anything separate from that is either self-centered or immature. The fifth characteristic is found in James chapter 5, starting in 7 and going to verse 8. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, in the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too need to be patient and stand firm because the Lord, Lord is coming. It's coming near. A mature person is patient and prayerful. Those two. There's two key words that are happening in this chapter over and over. Patience and prayer. And both go together because it expresses a dependence upon God. Here's the truth. Those who are prayerful are patient. Patient. 
And those who are impatient are usually prayerless. And I understand this, this, uh, this illustrations here about a farmer. Farming is very different, and it's different than business. It is a business, I understand it, but it's different than business here. There's a lot of waiting that goes on. You wait for the snow to go away before you can plant anything. Then you prepare the land and you wait for the heat of the sun to get hot enough so it'll, it'll germinate wheat or barley or whatever you're growing. Then you wait for the rain and the heat to, to, to have mature uh, and, and for the grain to grow. And then you wait for the grain to ripen once it's there. It's a lot of waiting. You know what? So is the Christian life. It's a lot of waiting. We wait for God to answer our prayers. We, we wait for God to work in our lives and in other people's lives. We wait when we, for God to turn around situations. We wait. Kids don't like to wait. They want things now, whether it's a bathroom or Christmas morning. They don't wait. And if they have to be made, made to wait, they get real grumpy. I say this because I'm guilty of this. Man, I hate. I just have a hard time with red lights. It dawned on me this week that red lights are not saying no. They're simply saying not yet. They're saying, when it's safe, I'll let you go. And when it isn't safe, wait for other people to go. And don't be such a big baby about it. I'm talking to myself. But you know, many times we get impatient. And it propels us into making decisions that we shouldn't. Like who we should marry. What we should buy or not buy. Where should we work? I think many times God has something better for us. And we miss it because we hurry and we won't wait. There's something in the waiting process that is wrapped up in the maturing process. The fifth test is how long are you prepared to wait for an answer from God or for God's biblical principle to be revealed and applied to your life? Are you going to wait? Many people don't want to wait. So they marry someone they shouldn't. They befriend someone they shouldn't. They get involved in all kinds of other things that they shouldn't. The test how long are you willing to wait for to have prayer answered? Well, folks, let me give you those five tests again, and maybe in your small groups this week, or just in silence, you can go over those. Number one, how do you handle problems and pressure? Number two, are you sensitive to others? Number three, how do you manage your mouth so it becomes something that is, uh, is helpful for others? Number four, how do we stop or do we stir up trouble or do we cause peace around us? And number five, how long are we willing to wait? You see, James, as the brother of Jesus, he's got some gold in this book that is, I think we're going to mine it in the next number of months. And one of the things that he wraps the whole thing together is, are you desirous of maturing and growing to be more and more like Jesus or just getting grumpy and staying immature. You know the answer. Lord, thanks for today. Thanks for my brothers and sisters. I'm, I'm amazed at the practicality of this book, and I pray in your name that it would become practical in our people's lives as we study it alone and together, as we listen to the Holy Spirit as he walks us through this great book. Thank you for today and for each other. May we live out these principles and, and become mature. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, folks.